This is a Watchdog Morning Show Rewind. Here's Howard Monroe. And I want to talk now about um, the Trump Mar-a-Lago story. Um, Trump supporters, it seems to me, are trying to focus in on the technicalities. Well, technically, he has the right to declassify this. And uh, Trump always had a standing rule that whenever he took work home, it was automatically declassified. It kind of reminds me of Clinton's it all depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. They're trying to parse words and language. But the bigger issue to me is, <clears throat> what is classified material? Why is it so important? And what could be damaging if the president had it? And I thought I wanted to talk to somebody who knows about this kind of stuff. So I asked my old friend uh, and former FBI agent, former prosecutor, former defense attorney, former talk show host, um, and now uh, sometimes analyst on court TV as well, <laughs> Jack Rice to come in here and talk to me. Good morning, Jack. Good to talk to you again. Howard, it's great to be with you. It's been a long time, my friend. Oh, and by the way, I'm a former CIA case officer. I was an FBI. The Bureau are different guys. We used to call them the cops, and they called us the robbers. So there you have it. <laughs> okay. I, I, I deeply apologize because I'm very aware that you're a CIA agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apologize to the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But because I wanted to use your uh, CIA background to the extent that we can, you obviously as a CIA agent had classified information, and actually you were the subject of classified information on occasion, I suspect. And I thought you could help us understand what does it mean to be classified and why is that so important uh, as we talk about this in terms of Donald Trump? You know, Howard, I want you to know I really appreciate your program because – I think that this is getting lost in this story because sometimes these things become so political that, that the, the, the underlying underpinnings really are what matter that nobody seems to be discussing. And maybe we'll go real broad at first. That generally speaking, there are three levels of classification, right? And so mm-hmm. what you get is confidential, secret, and top secret. And, and even then, we'll get more specific on the top secret in a minute. But the idea is that there's, there are certain pieces of information that the U.S. government considers important. And it's important because it's something that we want to m- maintain, retain potentially, or we're acquiring. And it's something that, that matters to national security. Now, anybody who joins the military, they automatically – just going through that process and making sure they're appropriate, they all generally receive that confidential clearance. But depending upon where you go after that and what you do, that clearance becomes more narrow, more specific, even more specified. So as an example, once you get to the top secret clearance stage, I also had something called SCI clearances. And SCI is sensitive compartmented information clearances and those while they're technically if you will sort of above top secret they really fall within that general paradigm and what that means is that once you get to that level once you get to that level what you find is that they are compartmentalizing information to make sure that it gets to the people who actually need it and nobody more because the more people have something, the less likely that it is secure. In other words, what, it, what, it, what will happen is even within the agency, 
in, in, in the halls of the agency in Langley, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I never saw. And I never saw it because I wasn't working on it. Uh, I, I didn't need to have it, and there was no need for me to have access to it. And it was designed to protect it because, generally speaking, the more people who have their fingers on something, the more people who have access to it. And that's really the word. It's access. It, the less stable it is, the more likely it is to be corrupted, the more likely that it is to become compromised in some way and could end up in the hands of people that we don't want. That's a very broad description, but I hope that's a starting space. Yeah, right, well, let's – right. so, so, look, in a, in, a, in a free and open democracy, don't we want to be transparent? Why do we need to keep information secret? Why do we need to keep it classified? What's the – I mean, if, if the government's doing it, what's the harm in, in everybody knowing it, or certainly everybody in the government doing it? Why, why do we have to compartmentalize it? What's the purpose of that? Actually, another fantastic question, because actually I agree with you in a sense. I mean, I, I'm a huge proponent of transparency. There are some who think they should classify anything and everything. And by the way, the U.S. government is notorious sometimes mm -hmm. for over-classifying, because the idea is better safe than sorry. But the problem is, is sometimes if you over-classify stuff, what you end up doing is you create this perception of, of something that isn't actually true. And I think the more transparency, the better. In other words, we should always be trying to make sure that the most number of people possible have access. And I'm saying this as a former prosecutor, as a criminal defense attorney, but even as a former CIA officer. And, and the reason for that is because in a democracy, the more we all know, the better. The idea is we all should have a voice, we should all be educated, we should all be intelligent, and we should all, should all be able to play a role in, in what this republic stands for. And you can only do that if you have access. That being said, of course, there are still limitations. And the reason there are limitations is that there are some things at some levels, and I'll, I'll be almost extreme in terms of what I mean by it, some things that are really important that they're protected, specifically here, and this is really where we're really going to get down to what it means. When you talk about high levels of intelligence and high levels of classified information, one of the things that happens is this. It, it is based upon where we get it. And what I mean by that is that, that there's something called sources and methods. And what sources and methods means in this world is where we got that information and why we're trying to protect it and how we got it. The problem is, is if you have a very high-level piece of, of intelligence, if you're good at this, what you can do is you could take a piece of intelligence, a, a, a document that's, that's classified at the FBI level, and you have the potential to essentially reverse engineer it and figure out where that information actually came from. And that is really one of the biggest problems that we have when it comes to access to classified information by people who we don't want to have access to it. There also is a, a question of, of protecting individuals. I'm making a guess about this, Jack, but probably uh, at times you were doing some pretty 
secret work or work where it would not have been a good idea for your job as a CIA agent to be uh, public to our enemies. Um, and if it was, you could have been put in danger. Or am I just watching too much TV? No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, there were times when I was involved in operations that mattered to everybody who touched them. So what you will find is that even if my name were in one of those documents, I actually had an, a different name that I always used. And that was a name that, was, um, that came to me. We'll just, that, that, we'll just call it that. And, but more importantly, what it's really about is identities. So it's not just going to be the names of particular uh, officers. Um, it could easily involve, and the term we would use inside the agency world was assets. And, and that would be a, the, the word that we would use rather than the term spy. Some people thought that, that, that we, w- we would call ourselves spies. Not really. The people we called spies, if you will, and they were assets from our perspective. Assets are the people working in those places that were getting access to the things that we needed. Well, the problem that you have is if you have somebody you've been working on, we could have spent millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in order to get a piece of information from a particular person in a particular place. If that, if that person is blown or we get blown because we're working in, in a third country, the problem is, is not only do they wrap all of us up, not only do they waste those millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, they could turn around and pick up me, my family, the, the asset, their entire extended family, and we're all sitting um, strapped to a table someplace in a basement uh, with somebody coming at us with pliers and saws. And so that is an absolute reality, and it's one of the things that we constantly think about. But let me go even bigger for a second. If you think about what we have done with, say, satellite technology, we spend literally billions of dollars, billions and billions, in order to get access to certain things. And we do enormous amounts of effort to get to certain places technologically, and the Chinese and the Russians and, frankly, the Brits, the French, the Germans, the Israelis, and others would spend enormous amounts of money to take those technological leaps. And if they could get access to that information, they would do it because they could then create it and then turn around and sell it back to us or sell it to others or to those who would want to find ways to essentially stop our ability to do what we're doing. And that in itself could be catastrophic when you realize the necessity that we have for some of those advances that we use when we have people in the field, people in war zones, people trying to accomplish things that are for the benefit of the United States. Now, Jack, you left the CIA at some point and went into the private world. And, but you couldn't just walk away from the CIA, as I understand it. We've talked about this before. You had to undergo, I don't know what you call it, a debriefing or some training or whatever. You had to undergo some conversation about uh, what can you tell Monroe on the radio and what can you not tell Monroe on the radio. You, you, you couldn't just walk away from that job and then start spilling your classified information, right? No, no, absolutely. And, and there, was a, there was something called an opening up process, and that's actually what they called it, where I sat down at a desk with somebody, and we, we literally took out a bunch of pieces of paper and we started looking at my life. And we started talking about what I could say and what I couldn't say. When I was working for the agency, I certainly never said I worked for the agency. 
and it was only subsequently that that, that happened. And really, the, there's a reason they did that, too. And the reason is, is there were certain things that I would and could and still can never talk about. And the reason I can is because there is real technology tied to it, there, there are real people tied to it, and there are real operations tied to it. And so if I were to disclose that information and somebody who was smart enough to understand the value of that information, they could turn around. And the only term I had used previously, Howard, was reverse engineer. They could find their way back potentially to somebody that actually mattered. And that's one of the reasons when we declassify stuff, it frequently takes so long. And, and I, I, I think it needs to be better. It needs to be streamlined. It needs to be less classification. But one of the reasons it takes so long is you have to be able to take a document and say, who touches this? Who's touched this in the past? How did it get here? Where did it come from? Who knows about it? And what does it mean? And it may seem like an overkill, but if you think about that and you realize simply saying, ah, I have been you unclassified, the problem is, is all of those concerns go out the window. Oh, and by the way, every time any officer is in the field trying to recruit somebody new and you turn around and say, uh, why would I give you anything if you guys just literally declassify everything down the road and in five years they're going to be torturing my children? And there are places in the world where they do that. With all of that as our background, Jack, uh, what are your thoughts now about what's happening with Donald Trump, with the search warrant at Mar-a-Lago, uh, with the uh, clearly there was classified information there. We know he gave some back to begin with, so we know it was there. And, it looks like they took more classified information out. Uh, setting aside the argument that the president can declassify whatever he wants, again, I, those are technicalities that may or may not, well, they are true, but, but what's your analysis of what's happening here with the Mar-a-Lago search warrant and Donald Trump at the moment and the investigation into him? Well, I, I think my big problem is, is I have, and, and I really do want to kind of say this sort of above the political fray that. I remember when he was talking to the Russian ambassador inside the Oval Office and he dropped intelligence that was classified at the, at the presidential daily brief level. This is an extraordinarily high, incredibly sensitive piece of information, and he drops it uh, in the lap of, of, of essentially an intelligence figure at the highest level in, in, in the Russian government. And, and I can tell you collectively that everybody in the intelligence community uh, was apoplectic because the problem is he, has, he had no notion of what that even meant. The, the whole idea of declassification comes with that. And, and, I, and I think this is true of every president. Most of these politicians have no notion of what they do. They're great at certain things, but in this particular area, they don't know what they're talking about. And so when he did that, he didn't have a notion of just how bad it could be because he's never even thought about it. And that really is the problem. When we talk about anybody using this kind of, of intelligence and just simply walking out the door with it, am I concerned that he has that stuff rolling around in his head? Not particularly. My real concern is somebody else who's smart enough to realize if this guy's going to take bucket loads of intelligence out of the out of the Pentagon, out of the State Department, out of the out of uh, CIA, 
uh, out of energy, uh, wherever he's getting it, um, if he takes it out, you know where I'm going to target? I'm targeting Mar-a-Lago. That's what I do. If, if I'm working for uh, Mossad, if I'm working for the FSB, the Russians, if I'm working for DGSE, if I'm working for MI6, if I'm working for anybody else, I target Mar-a-Lago because guess what? All of a sudden, I just deliver Kentucky Fried Chicken and Diet Coke to, to that place dressed up in uniform, and I'm going to start digging. That's a heck of a lot easier than it is me trying to get into uh, uh, the State Department or getting into the Pentagon. Jack, I'm going to ask you to speculate, and you don't have to if you don't want to. Why would Donald Trump want to have all this information? Why would he want to take classified information home? And it seems as if it was a significant amount. I mean, I guess I can understand maybe he took something that he thought was a you know, somehow tied to his presidency, he might want to write in his memoirs or something, but it seems like he had an awful lot of classified information. Why would he want to do that? And again, I know we're speculating, but whatever you think. You know, maybe if I pull back and say, why do it, why does anybody do it? You know, I mean, it's been done, it's been done before. He's not, the, he's not the first person who's done this. There have been people who've worked in various capacities who walked away with, with classified information. Sometimes I think we're all trophy hunters. Why do, why do people collect, you know, plates with ships on them, or why do they, why do they collect, you know, you know, um, uh, Yadro uh, figurines, and they have ten thousand of them. I don't know. Um, sometimes I think it's that. Sometimes I think what it is is it's memorabilia of of a moment that seemed to matter, and and so it might be that. Um, it, it might be the idea that at some point this may be something of value historically. I, but the problem with this idea is this takes me back to this idea of dropping a piece of intelligence to the Russians in the Oval Office. If you don't think directly about the ramifications of everything that could potentially come from this, if it ended up in the wrong place, if it ended up in the wrong place... That in itself is something that really needs to be of concern. And maybe just to, to clarify a couple of things, um, when we talk about declassification, there's a process that one normally goes through. There's one person who can actually avoid that process in almost all areas, and that's the President of the United States. There's actually a, a U.S. Supreme Court case that came out clarifying this, and in fact it said that essentially – the president, he, he sort of embodies the idea of declassification, and he can declassify almost, and I repeat, almost anything. He, he's like the pope, you know? There mm -hmm. could be, uh, there could be tr uh, semis of stuff rolling out of the back door of the White House on the last day, and he's still president. He can wave his pontiff's hand across all of it without even seeing it and saying, ah, I have deemed thee declassified. Move forward into Mar-a-Lago and say no more. He can do well, that. As, as uh, one of his uh, attorneys just, someone said a couple of weeks ago, he said that um, uh, Trump uh, said, any time I take work home, considered automatically declassified. I take my work home, well, so I will. I don't have to specifically say it. I'm just saying I'm bringing it home. That means it's declassified. You've given well, me something no different to think paper. about. You give me there's something no piece to of think paper about, that he has to sign, right? No, but there's a, hold yeah. on. One last thing, if I have, just a sec. Sure. And what that is is this: it has to do with energy, and specifically, it has to do with nuclear stuff. 
But there's actually something you can't do when it comes to size. But I'll set that aside. If you think about nuclear stuff, um, or nuclear, depend upon who you are and which generation you're in. Um, you remember. Come on, buddy. You remember. Um, there's something called the, the Atomic Energy Acts of, of 46 and 54. Those actually put that information in a different place. And that is actually something that, and this is still, I don't want to get too pointy-headed about it, but that area is actually something where a president may actually not have the authority to simply wave your pontiff's hand over the top of it and is declassified. That is actually different. And so if, the, if that happens to be something we're talking about, that may be a different animal altogether. But if it's, you know, it's, it's the handwritten notes to Kim Jong-il um, saying, you know, come on, rocket boy, I want to, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> well, then my response is, you know, I mean, frankly, uh, that's not the piece I'm worried about. There's some others, a whole lot of other stuff that I am worried about. You've given me something to think about, Jack, because I have, because I'm not a big Trump fan, so I have automatically gone to nefarious reasons. Was he going to, you know, sell them to the Russians? Was he going to use them for some kind of personal gain? Because that's my, where my mind goes with Trump. But now that you've brought it, it may be as simple. I think about Trump's personality. He just wants to say, look what I have. Look what I know. See, and he, and he did that during the presidency. That Russian example you gave is true. I read an article this week where um, they, they oh, he, he in, the their, in the middle of their presidential briefing, they showed him a tweet with some very specific uh, photos from satellites, and he said, that's great, I'm going to tweet it out right now, be just because he can. Maybe it's not nefarious. Maybe it's just his personality as he wants to say, look what I can do. Well, you know, and, and maybe maybe that is true because but because we do know that some of his his political decisions oddly were made um, and he's sharing really sensitive information with just there I use the term Yahoo and I'll use that for almost anybody. And in Yahoo he's he's on a golf course with and right. and I find that disturbing. But but again this bigger problem it, is that when you just simply say, you know, I want to keep this stuff here because I want to show it at parties because it makes me feel important, um, and maybe that is it. That's not my problem. Again, my response is if I'm an FSB officer, my job now is not to try to break into CIA. My job is to get into Mar-a-Lago, and if all I have to do is get behind a couple of golf bags so I can get copies of what I want, trust me, I would spend $100 million dollars ripping that place apart if he's hiring people and not paying them a full a full salary or full wage or they're there without documentation i wonder how difficult it would be to get in and yeah, i would work that i would work that like nobody so in other words i'd send in mbas and i would send in people in a certain way to find my way in i would become the security team for mar-a-lago and then i would scour that place and I would take everything. And by the way, does he even know what he has? Would he even miss it? Do I need to make a copy, or can I actually take the original, which I might want even more? Because maybe nobody else has that, and now it's literally capped off, so there's no way to track it back to me. That is really – and again, so it, it may not be nefarious on Trump's part. It may just be egomaniacal. 
but it will be nefarious on the part of people who know it's there and enemies who want to come in and get it. It's a really great point. Hey, Jack, i got to move on. I always enjoy talking to you. Thanks for coming in this morning. I really appreciate it. I know you're very busy these days. You working for Court TV these days? You just uh, have so much fun. You hang out with them all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Atlanta some, so I do some work with them. And but I, I mean, I'm a trial lawyer, man. So so I spend most of my time in front of juries. Well, it's always good to talk to you. I appreciate the perspective you always bring. And uh, let's uh, let's uh, not be so long in between sessions next time. Thanks a lot, Jack. Appreciate it. All the best, brother. I'm a huge fan. All right, thanks. Talk to you soon. Jack Rice, uh, he is a former prosecutor, former uh, defense attorney. Uh, he is a defense attorney right now primarily. Uh, former CIA agent. Yes, he was a guy who went out in the field, you know, and did the CIA work. Uh, he wasn't some guy sitting in an office analyzing that. He went out and, you know, was working in the field. Um, uh, also was a talk show host for a while. He and I were together at the Capitol a couple of times. And he's just a all-around good guy. I love talking to him. Listen to more interviews and rants from the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on Apple Podcasts.